This episode of the Real Rescue Podcast is brought to you by SR3 Rescue Concepts because you don't know what you don't know. Life Saving Systems Corporation. We do our work so you can do yours. Tough gear for tough jobs. Breeze Eastern, the world's only dedicated helicopter hoist and winch provider. Have you taken a minute to reach out to Dave and Jason at SR3? Or what about Mario over at LSC? Or maybe Jimmy at Breeze Eastern? They're not only sponsoring this podcast, these guys are actually friends of mine. So if you have not reached out to them, now is the time. Heck, even call them just to get a t-shirt or a hat, sport their logo, and wear it proud. SR3 Rescue Concepts is a training company that can help you with your helicopter training, a standardization check, a safety check, or maybe just an audit or an annual FAA refresher. They are ready to bring your agency up to date with the current techniques, rules, regulations, and equipment. The training staff is awesome. With certified flight instructor pilots and experienced crew members, which I am happy to say that I am a part of, they offer training in rescue, medical, tactical, firefighting, ground operation, and night vision goggle use. SR3 has partnered with Petzl to assist with the personal protective equipment inspection course and the highly specific Lazard, which is used in helicopter cliff and mountain rescue, or like our guys over in Norway, who think outside the box, and they used it on a vessel that was pitching and rolling. SR3 Rescue Concepts goes beyond the helicopter world too. They also provide high angle rescue training and tactical medicine training. Contact them today at sr3rescueconcepts.com and follow them over on Instagram at SR3 underscore rescue. Then we have Life Saving Systems Corporation. They manufacture the world's toughest helicopter rescue gear. From my favorite harness as a rescueman, the Triton harness, to the rescue baskets and the litters, and of course the most popular hoist in all of helicopters, the D-Lock. The team at LSE cuts bends, sews, welds, and machines these products into existence every day. As they like to say, we do our work so you can do yours. Tough gear for tough jobs. Check them out today at lifesavingsystems.com and follow them on Instagram at rescuegear, at R-E-S-Q-G-E-A-R. And we have Breeze Eastern. Since the very first helicopter rescue in November 1945, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured superior rescue hoist solutions. While much of the technology and unique mission requirements have changed over the past 75 years, their commitment to us, the rescuers, and the operators, and those rescued, has not. Contact Breeze Eastern today by visiting them at breeze-eastern.com. That's breeze-eastern.com. Our next guest is another United States Coast Guard hoist operator, flight mechanic. He gives us a a perspective from before he started flying all the way until what he's doing now. So please welcome my friend, Mr. Corey Titmus. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard rescue swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. (laughs) 
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Real Rescue Podcast. Today I have with me a friend of mine who I was stationed with in Humboldt Bay. Awesome dude. I'm totally psyched to have him here. Mr. Corey Titmus. Well, dude, thanks for coming on the show with me, man. I, I appreciate you, uh, you, your time here. And yeah, it's good stuff. I appreciate it. <laughs> good to see you. Happy to nah, be you here, too. man. You too. Um, for everybody out there, if you don't mind, just kind of give everybody an introduction to who you are, where you're from. Uh, Corey Titmus. I was raised in Idaho. Um, never really heard about the Coast Guard. and I, I knew about the big four. And my girlfriend at the time was like, I'm thinking of joining the Coast Guard. And I was like, what's the Coast Guard? So I looked into it and I went to the recruiter's office and saw the, the recruiting video. And I, there was that scene where the orange helicopter comes out and the rescue swimmer jumps out. And I was like, I want to do that. Yeah. And, and, the, and the recruiter's like, what? I want to be the guy in the door pulling that guy back into the helicopter. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And he's like, oh, so you want to be an aviation electrician technician or an aviation maintenance technician? I was like, well, what's the difference? Well, one works, works with electricity. The other one works with engines and gearboxes and structures. And I was like, wow, that's kind of right up my alley. I want to be a mechanic. Uh, so I, I joined the Coast Guard and... You know, went through the normal boot camp in uh, Cape May. And my first unit was uh, Motor Lifeboat Station, Bodega Bay, California. Bodega uh, Bay. I love Bodega Bay. I didn't know you were down yeah. there. Yeah, I was for about two and a half years. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, I love Bodega Bay. It's For anybody that's out there, if you go to San Francisco, most people know San Francisco, go north about like, I don't know, an hour and a half, you hit Petaluma area. And then boom, bang west, and just go right to the coast. Beautiful yeah. area. Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, Love you got Tamales Bay to the south. You got uh, Salmon Creek to the north. Yeah, uh, beautiful waves. It was a motor lifeboat station, which is uh, the forty-seven foot motor lifeboats. It's the boats that, if they capsize, they rewrite themselves. Yep. Uh, SAR platform, but on the water. Dude, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, playing in the surf. Yeah, twenty foot breaking waves, thirty foot seas. It was fun. Holy I mean, it beat you up, but yeah, because that thing is a cork in the water. But it was so much fun. Yeah, there's like uh, two two diesel engines in there. Oh my god! Yep. That, that the Detroit ninety twos. Yeah, yeah. Those those boats are legit, man. They're they're awesome. So you spent two yeah. years there. Yeah, I was a fireman, uh, thank goodness, because uh, Seaman Titmus would not be a good name. No. <laughs> uh, I was, <clears throat> uh, so <laughs> so I, was a, I was a fireman. Uh, I went through my watchstander syllabus. I went through my crew, uh, boat crewman syllabus. Uh, because I was a fireman, I went through the uh, engineer of the watch syllabus. And uh, I just maintain those boats for two and a half years doing all kinds of SAR cases and really, really gnarly stuff. So some of my uh, more memorable cases were from that small boat unit. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, so you got a first of like really the SAR world in the small boat station. Yeah. My first case was actually for a, a loggerhead sea turtle that was caught in a crab pot uh, buoy in line. I wasn't what? even qualified to. Yeah. So your first save was a sea turtle. Yeah, my first save was a sea turtle. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. 
and we're out there cutting the line off of the the flippers and it's poking its head out and just <laughs> it was crazy <laughs> i was so scared Dude, that's awesome oh man that's um, killer <laughs> <laughs> oh i like that yeah i like that all right uh mostly uh what we called uh triple a toe cases where you know disabled vessel just couldn't make it into safe harbor so they call us up and we go out and put them in tow and bring them into safe harbor and bodega bay bodega nice. harbor um but there there were a couple gnarly ones uh the one i'm gonna bring up is wasn't actually on the water okay um right uh, for those that know the area bodega bay station is located on a state park um and people camp at that state park and i was up in the watchtower uh man in the radios taking care of uh the visual part of the bay and i see this white truck just barreling down the road towards the station and it just skirts right in front of the gate and i see a man jump out with what looked like a sack of potatoes to me until an arm flopped out <sighs> yeah and uh my buddies were out on the lawn by the by the garage and they point up at me call 911 I call 911, get EMS over as quickly as possible. And while I'm on the phone, I see this guy, this dad, carrying his son into our building and a chunk of the son's head is missing. Oh. Yeah, gnarly. Um, and I'm coordinating with the uh, officer of the day, the OOD. I'm coordinating with uh, the command because this was like during the weekend or something like that. So relatively skeleton crew um and while i'm doing all this i can hear my my buddies down in our rec room the kind of galley area uh doing cpr and i hear i got a breath and it wasn't (laughs) it was just the death rattle um uh I hear, I look out my window and I see the dad pounding his fists against the wall or sorry, against our flagpole. I hear the mom and, and two sisters underneath my watchtower, just wailing a uh, little sister saying it should have been me. Another sister saying he was only 10 years old. And the mom saying, I can't believe I killed my own son. Oh my. Yeah. Really, really gnarly. Um, Backstory on what we found out happened. They were camping and the mom was back or the dad was back in the mom in the truck onto the trailer and they rolled over what they thought was a log. And so they rolled back over it. Turns out it was their son's head. Oh no. Yeah. I, I still have, I'm shaking right now. Just thinking about it. It's gnarly. Um, but we had an amazing command. And as soon as they heard and came and found out what was what happened to all of us they immediately called the critical incident stress management team uh sism team yeah and so that night we had a round robin and you know they told us what we needed to hear at the time uh to this day i still take away there's nothing you can do to change the past what you did is what you needed to do at the time so don't dwell on it. The more you dwell on it, the deeper you're going to go. And it's, it's just going to eat, eat you alive. So 
that that was kind of my my first loss in the Coast Guard. Yeah. Well, and, you know, too. yeah, you know, in the movie, the guardian, uh, master chief talks about it's the ones you lose that stick with you. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's definitely the ones that you lose that stick with you. Yeah. So oh, wow. that, that was one, uh, another one where this, it was foggy out boat went out to go fishing, uh, a dad mid seventies, I think, and his two sons, and they just got too close to the, the bar and took a wave to the beam capsized uh two sons were able to get back in the boat and they couldn't find their dad so they called us and we launched out there couldn't see anything because of the fog and luckily there was a sheriff's boat coming up from san francisco and they said we found him but we don't have a radar or something was going on with the radar we need help getting in and we're like we have a radar we see you we'll come to you we found them and they followed us in and I look back and uh, the dad's on the, on the beam of the, of the sheriff's boat and they're doing chest compressions. And by the time we got to the pier, they called it, the guy was dead. And I was asked to move the body off the sheriff's boat onto our pier. And I'm covering the, the dad with this white sheet that we brought down. And I look up at the top of the brow and I see the two sons staring down at me that survived. Oh, it got gut wrenching, just tears you apart. But yeah, that, that was another one, <laughs> oh but we had God. some good ones too. You know, we had some good ones too. Uh, pulled a guy off of his sinking boat, um, did some law enforcement, some boardings, uh, as the EOW, I, I got to stay with the, the, the boat. So actually um, touch on that a little bit more when you talk about boardings and stuff again, you know, you're talking to a lot of Airedales right now and, yeah. uh, and, and law enforcement stuff is, you know, when you come in. So if you can just kind of highlight a little bit of that, that would be great. So the Coast Guard was tasked um, to do federal law enforcement on the open water or within American waters. Um, and to do that, we need, boarding team officers and boarding officers, uh, BTMs or boarding team members and boarding officers, uh, BTMs and BOs. And they basically just make sure people are being safe on the water, inspecting their survival gear. Um, you know, if they're doing something stupid, like drinking and boating, they get a ticket. It, just the same as if you were driving and drinking. Um, and most of the time you just, you get a ticket, you do the things that you need to take care of. You pay the fine, no big deal. Um, but you know, there are some serious ones that I never really participated in because I, I wasn't a boarding team member. Um, but it's mostly for safety. We want to make sure people on the American territorial waters are being safe right. uh, and complying with all our, our, our laws out there. Um, that's, that's really all I can speak on that. Cause I wasn't fully involved with the, uh, law enforcement aspect. No, I appreciate kind of like just getting into it a little bit with us. So yeah. yeah uh, 14 USC 89, that that's the U S code that they use, uh, it gives us the authorization to do what we do on the open seas. And from what I hear, the only people 
with more authorization than us is the Secret Service. Oh, it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all secretive yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, pun intended. <laughs> sorry. Hey, it's my own joke. I, you know, sorry. <laughs> eh, that was lame. <laughs> uh, so, little back, I'm trying to segue into my aviation, but. Sure, sure. I showed up to Bodega Bay on a Monday and uh, I sat down with the XPO, did my check-in with him. And he's like, so what rate do you want to go? And I said, I want to be an aviation maintenance technician. And he's like, ah, had you shown up on Friday, I could have done that for you. As of today, here's the letter. They shut down the school. You can't even put your name on the list. Oh, Yeah. So I do I remember waited. when they did that too, by the way, they were, it was that, uh, yeah. that, yeah, yeah, it was, there were too many people in rate or there were, there were, it was a weird time. They were restructuring the school and yeah, they shut it down for a little, all the aviation schools for a little while. Yeah. I was part of that, uh, that part, part of that waiting period. Uh, so I, I waited a year before I could even put my name on the list. Uh, and after I put my name on the list, uh, I had already done my medical. I had already done, you know, made sure my ASVAB was good. Um, the ASVAB be... is a, a test that we write for to get into the U.S. military. It's the aptitude vocational something or another test. I, I'm, I apologize for not remembering it. It was 20-something years ago. But we take the <laughs> ASVAB in order to, uh, to choose our profession, our rate, once we get into the military. All, all military uh, in the U.S. have to take it. So anyway, yeah. sorry, go ahead. No problem. Uh, so waited that year, put my name on the list, waited another year and a half. And in between that time, my XPO pulled me and another guy who was on the AMT list into his office. He said, look, aviation electrician technician is taking applicants right now that you can go to school in a week if you want to. Wow. The other guy was like, I'll do it. I want to, I'll be an AET. <clears throat> and I was like, no, I've already waited two plus years to be an AMT. I'm going to wait until my, my name comes up. Yeah. Two months later, I got my orders. Oh, the, nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I got my orders to humble. Humble um, Bay. That's where you and I met. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, so I got my stuff ready, moved up to humble, did, checked in with, uh, the command up there got my airman syllabus and I finished that thing in two weeks. I, I was so gung ho. I wanted to be an AMT now. And so I started standing duty. I, I was doing line crew, pulling the aircraft in and out, taking care of fuel samples. Uh, not, nothing major. Cause I was an airman. I couldn't do inspections or anything, but uh, we're practicing riveting in the metal shop. Because that's part of the, the AMT gig is metal work, composite work, right. engine work. Um, so I, I started familiarizing myself with how to do all that. Um, and I, I loved the dynamic between the AST shop and all the other shops. Just you guys had a lot of fun up there. We had the, the Highland Games 
Oh, that's that? right. <laughs> so <laughs> we, all right, let's touch on that for a second because that was a blast. So <coughs> unit will have its own little morale day. And, and we would do, we did this one called the Highland Games. And it was like flipping logs and how far you could throw something, running your bare feet over some rocks and tear up your feet. <laughs> oh, what a good. Don't forget the tug was, of war over the pit of mud. Oh, that's right. Yes. Oh, it was so fun. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. We got into it and everything. We had uh, skirts that were plaid and were supposed to be killed. <laughs> it was horrible. Oh, <laughs> and, the, and the potato guns. Yeah, it was yeah. a lot of fun. Oh, we had a blast. What a good day uh, that was. <laughs> and so going, going from a small boat unit where, you know, you're, you're dealing with bosun's mates and coxswains and uh, MKs and engineers all the way to aviation. I'm, I'm not discounting the bosun's mates. Those guys are pretty hardcore too, especially them surfmen. Yep. Uh, but going to aviation, I was like, wow, I picked the right rate to go. This is fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I actually talked about it with another friend of mine. Uh, like it, it's funny to hear this uh, from another aspect because usually the boat world and the aviation world don't mix very well, but we work so well together when it comes down to go time. It's such a trip. So it's just, it's very different worlds that we work in and live in. So yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, every once in a while you get that bosun's made on a cutter. Like, yeah, I thought about being a swimmer, but my eyesight's bad. Yeah. Yeah. I, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah all important jobs it doesn't matter yeah. how big or small all important jobs yep um yeah so finished my airman program went to uh amt school over in elizabeth city north carolina learned how to do riveting learned how to do composite uh learned how to do painting learned basically anything and everything aviation except for electrical. Well, we touched on electrical, but not, not like AETs. Um, and I remember, you're going to like this story. I remember walking into class and I see uh, all you swimmer guys, uh, the swimmer airmen, just getting hammered extra hard by the instructors. And I, I don't mean like beat up or anything, just push-ups, sit-ups, push-ups, sit-ups, extra, extra, extra. I'm like, what the heck is going on? And one of my classmates walk, walks by and he's like, oh, well, that's Ashton Kutcher. That's Kevin Costner. That's a producer. That's a director. Apparently they're making a movie about swimmers. Uh, some kind of dumb thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well known around the world, by the way. Just, you know. Oh. That out there. <laughs> yeah. Way to go, Petty Officer Fisher. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, just for the uh, record, he did date the teacher, which I scored with. I'm just saying, I married a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> no, thanks. And they actually, uh, towards the end of my class, or my whole five month stint in Elizabeth City, uh, we got a private screening up in uh, one of the military bases up in Virginia. Nice. And uh, it was like the first, first showings of, of that movie. And all the swimmers in the back are like, yeah. <laughs> of course we were. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> all hardcore. Love but, it. Love it. Yeah, you guys are a different breed for sure. 
Yeah, some people and, say there's something wrong with us. I, I, I don't see it. I, <laughs> yeah, say nothing there, Corey. Say nothing. <laughs> oh, man, I've worked, I've worked with some amazing, amazing swimmers, too. Uh, Jody Williams, uh, David Nettles, yeah. um, Steve Needles. Rich. Steve. Yeah, Noodles. Oh, my um, gosh. Fernando George. Yeah, uh, love that guy. Um, so that's another story for another time. Yeah. Um, man, oh, uh, Pug Puglia. Oh, Tony Puglia. <laughs> yeah, I worked with him twice, dude. There in Humble and in at Hitron. But so got my orders after A school uh, to Los Angeles, Hollywood's real heroes, and that was a blast. I mean, traffic was horrible, overcrowded city, beautiful <laughs> weather, yeah, beautiful ocean, beautiful countrysides. Loved it in SoCal, except for the people in the traffic, obviously. Um, you know, being close to Universal Studios, being close to Disneyland, it was a great being down there. Yeah. Um, and that's actually where I got my first award as an aviator. Which was your letter of combination, which yep. is very nice. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, so I can't read it for everybody. But uh, I, I, I don't have it either. To, that's all right. Yeah, it's in storage. <laughs> uh, it's my favorite thing when everybody says that. Oh, it's in storage. It's in the garage. It's in the attic. It's in a box somewhere at grandma's house or mom or dad's house. That's like yeah. standard for the majority of us. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm all about it. Let's, let's hear this one. This is going to be good. So the the plan of the day for us was going to be flying up to Morro Bay, which was a long flight for us um, to do some training with their 47s that they got there. Um, You know, brief stop for fuel in like San Bernardino, then all the way up to Morro Bay, did some ground training with the boat crew told them what we were going to be doing. Um, went out, did the flight. Oh, we were up at uh, San Luis Obispo at the airport there. Um, went out, did the flight, bunch of hoisting. And <laughs> one of the uh, crewmen was pulling so hard on our uh, trail line or the tagline, as some people call it, the weak link up by the hook parted. Oh, wow. That's, <laughs> that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I was the ba- basket was halfway down and the weak link parted and you know adrenaline pumping and may, may have said whoa what's going on and freaked out the pilots. But wow. uh thank goodness yeah, thank goodness my pilot was our CEO uh Captain Paul Mary. Uh, I don't know where he is now, but um yeah, he he was such a level-headed pilot. I would fly with that guy any day. Nice. Uh, and me, a boot third, uh, first time or newly qualified going out there doing this training. And uh, yeah, it parted and <laughs> we continued on with our second trail line. Wow. Uh, this is all training, right? Yeah, this was all training. And wow. we finished our training with Morro Bay, finished and refueled the aircraft. And we were actually on our way back. From Morro Bay, heading over to San, Ber- uh, San Bernardino, uh, 
to get more fuel and then head on down to Los Angeles. And while we were in flight, we hear mayday, mayday, mayday. Oh, what's going on? The co-pilot plots in the, the GPS position that they uh, call out on the radio and co-pilot's like, guys, we're 15 minutes from that location. Should we let them know? And I'm like, yeah, we, we got the fuel. We, I'm feeling good. Why not? So we notify uh, Sector, which is kind of like the, the command hub for search and rescue. And we're like, hey, we're 15 minutes from that location. Do you want us to deviate and provide aerial cover? Yeah, go ahead. Do it. So we find this boat, and it's a, it's a fairly small uh, sailboat with two crewmen on board. And they were ferrying this boat from San Francisco to Los Angeles. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and they were a mile offshore. Boat or the engine was uh, cutting in and out, and the winds and seas were too heavy for sails. So, and they were being pushed into the shore. So that's why they called Mayday. And plus, they were pretty cold and beaten up from the weather. <laughs> I hate um, when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> so we were getting pretty low pilot or captain was like, Hey, uh, we got like 15, 20 minutes of fuel. Uh, what are we going to do? And sector's like, well, what do you want to do? Well, we can either take them off the, bo the boat and ferry them over to where we're going to get some fuel, or we can leave them here and let the 47, uh, coming up from, I think it was Ventura to take them into tow. Okay. And, uh, <clears throat> We opted to pull them off the boat. Nice. So we pulled into a hover, got right next to the boat. I lower uh, Steve Rich, who was our, my swimmer, lower him in the water, and he's swimming towards the boat, and the boat just takes off. I guess the engine kicked on at that time. And I'm keeping an eye on Steve because he's in the water. I want to make sure he's being safe. Yeah. And... Next thing I know, Steve comes up on his radio. He's like, guys, you better move. The boat's coming up on your tail. And sure enough, I look behind me and the boat is coming right on, on, right up on the tail. So we slide left and the boat goes right in between us and Steve. And <clears throat> we're like, this is crazy. We need to have these guys jump overboard one at a time and we'll pick them out of the water. Yeah. So I recover Steve. Uh, first guy jumps overboard. I get him in the basket with Steve's help. And get him inside the back of the, the aircraft. So real quick, let me back up for a second. So when you pick Steve up, you brought him up to the aircraft and then he deployed again to the water? Yes, I'm sorry. Okay. I skipped that part. Yeah, no worries, yeah. no worries. I just want to make sure I'm following. Yeah. Uh, deployed Steve for the second time, lowered the basket. Steve helped the first guy that jumped overboard in the basket, got the first survivor in the, into the cabin. And uh, then I picked up Steve a third time uh, and we were getting ready to uh, get the, the second survivor on the, off the boat. And they were supposed to announce when they were going to jump overboard, but this guy jumped overboard un unannounced. And so I, I tap Steve on the shoulder and I point to the survivor. I'm like, direct pickup, gives me his nod. And uh, so we pick up this second survivor and I'm helping the survivor in. And then, then I'm helping Steve into the helicopter. And Steve hands me this leg with a tennis shoe on it. I'm like, what, what the heck is this thing? <laughs> <laughs> it was an amputee and he lashed the, his leg 
to his chest because he didn't want to lose his leg. <laughs> it was awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah, and so we we drew, we flew over to uh, San Bernardino, dropped these guys with the EMS, and they were they were pretty hypothermic. Um, it, it was probably a good call to pull them off the boat. And hindsight, boat never even made it to shore. The the uh, Ventura boat got to it and put it in tow, and it safely made it to shore. Oh, but excellent. yeah, we pulled these guys out. Man, dude, that's awesome. <laughs> Let me get a leg in no, my nothing face. Nothing gnarly like, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? It, yeah. it's, it, you, made, you made that comment there, nothing gnarly. I, I, I don't know if I agree with that statement. I, I think that was, you know, that you guys are coming on to a scene where, you know, you got two guys that are, are hypothermic and panicking on deck. It, it doesn't have to be, big waves and dark and stormy night to have something. Steve Rich went down to the water three times, one deployed, you have a boat coming up behind you and you're getting out of the way from the air. I mean, great job on Rich's part for radio. And, and then you guys and your CRM and the aircraft to be able to manipulate the aircraft around the, the vessel. That's, man, that's good coordination. That That's what it's all about. Nice. Yeah. Good job. Pilot. Hey. Pilot in command doing his job, the co-pilot backing up the pilot doing their job, communication from the hoist operator, me, communication from the rescue swimmer. What can yeah. we do? How can we safely do this? It, it just flowed so perfectly. And what really made it a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A, a difficult situation was we had already done a full days of work. Yeah. We were, we were bagged out when we got to our, our, uh, fuel stop. So we had to spend the night before we could hey, even Sam get back home. Rough. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Man, so, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. We, it was exhausting, but if, hindsight worth it. Oh man. That's killer. Good job, dude. Yeah. You and the whole crew. Yeah. Well done. Total. Yeah. And I had some really fun cases there too. Uh, I mean, you never want to be called out on a star case because you, when you're not called out, people are being safe and it's a good feeling. Yep. And, but when you're called out and the case is relatively benign, you still kind of have that feeling of accomplishment. Uh, like, uh, I did multiple medevacs off of Catalina Island. Nice. Um, <laughs> yeah. I remember one time landing or this guy, landing. We, we yeah. landed at a place called Pebbly beach. Okay. Uh, because EMS on Catalina, uh, had the love, the transfer of care can never go down. Right. It can always go up or lateral, but it can never go down in care. So we always flew with a paramedic. Uh, nice. we'd call, we'd call LAX and, uh, they would send over a, a paramedic and then we go flying. And unfortunately the rescue swimmer had to stay back for those medevacs. But, um, I remember this one where a student, uh, I guess he was trying to impress a girl or something and he was drunk and he it's smashed his do. head against it's a brick. Men. Yeah. Right. He smashed his head <laughs> against a brick wall. <laughs> his own uh. head and so, so he uh 
he was kind of incoherent, didn't know who he was, where he was, what we, what was going on. And we medevaced him off of the island that night. Um, and he kind of came to halfway through the flight. He's like, what's going on? I, I, where am I? I'm like, dude, you're getting a free flight back to the mainland. You're all right. Like, this is free? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it's, some of those little ones you mentioned like that, those are some of my favorite. Like, some of my favorite <laughs> memories. Come down, you're talking to like, hey, what's up, dude? You all right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, 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 re- I uh, rescued a, a diver up by the, uh, the Channel Islands off the, uh, the dive boat piece. And they're still there. They do dive tours all the time. Um, he came up too fast, started having symptoms of the bends. And I successfully, you know, safely, n- nonchalant, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, just kind of a benign hoist brought him into the helicopter. And I could see the fear in his eyes. Uh, I don't know if it was from being fl- uh, flown home or if he, he was scared that he was going to die from the bends, but I reached down and grabbed his leg and kind of gave him the thumbs up. Like, you're going to be okay, man. You're going to be all right. And I, his shoulders relaxed a little bit. And it's just that feeling of I'm there for you guy. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's so amazing. Wow. Uh, with that yeah. in particular case, did you, um, did you just hoist him off of the basket? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I lowered the basket with a trail line fishing or sorry the dive boat piece they they're familiar with uh hoisting because they got divers all the time with the bends wow or i shouldn't say all the time but sometimes yeah uh and so then they got to be familiarized with pulling on the trail line pulling the basket getting the survivor in the basket basket comes off the boat sometimes we ditch the trail line sometimes we recover the trail line uh, i believe that time i ditched it because yeah. we wanted to get, get the guy back to the hyperbaric chamber um you know that's something else to be kind of noted with that is you know you pick up guys that that have diving injuries we're all now we're restricted to altitude so as we're flying yeah you like ideally you don't want to be above 500 feet but there are obstacles in the water that you got to be really cautious of so if you're flying at night you know you got to have a good radar everybody's got to have a good night vision goggles are a, a must have you know so you're that's that's awesome um with that, did you ever send a swimmer down to help you with the, you know, put the patient in the basket or so that's just nope. all you working hard. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Like, I love my yeah, job. Just, I, I do love what I do going down. I just want you to know that. Like you put me down, <laughs> put me in champ. Come on, come on, come yeah. put me in. I'm okay. <laughs> I want to play. Oh, yeah. good for you, man. That's awesome. What else? Oh, uh, another one, uh, we were responding to uh, a guy who had a seizure and fell in the water from the channel islands. And uh, this is like the best hoist I have ever possibly done. And it was purely by accident. They, they brought him on a, a boat from the channel Island or put him on a boat from, on the channel islands. And we're going back to Ventura and we met them halfway. And uh, Dave Nettles was my rescue swimmer. And we were, uh, yeah, we were halfway between the Channel Islands and the mainland, lowering Dave down. And I'm trying to get him on top of the superstructure 
where like this uh, life ret- life raft box was. And I was okay. aiming for like the middle of the box. I wanted to get noodles right there on the top of the box. And I remember from that first SAR case uh, with saving those two sailors, the co-pilot said, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just needs to get done. And that has stuck with me for the re- for my entire career. Yeah. And so I, I was trying for perfection, but I kept hearing that in my head is it just needs to get done. And I lowered noodles down and he said, he's on the hook in the, in the seated position because of the, the harness. And I sat him right on the edge of that box. <laughs> and he just unclips, <laughs> unclips from the cable and I pull it away and he stands up and goes to take care of the survivor on the back of the boat. That's good hoisted, my friend. That is good hoisted. Well done. But yeah, that like I said, that it doesn't have to be perfect. It just needs to get done. Yeah. Yeah. You, there's no so, reason. I, it's like one of my buddies I was hoisting uh, when I was down in the golf. He's like, man, I'm not your wrecking ball. I was like, I know, but I'm trying to like get to that pinpoint location now so I know that I can do it. He's like, I'm not your yeah. wrecking ball, man. <laughs> I was like, all right, I know. Yeah. We did, we, uh, we practiced cliff hoists. Uh, we practiced, we did law enforcement in the, in the Harbor. We did, we even did a border border patrol with CBP, uh, with our brand new FLIR, the forward looking infrared. Um, I was qualified. I, I did a border patrol with CBP. I caught migrants crossing our borders. And, uh, at the time we had like the, the high eight videotape that we had to record. And they actually sent that video all the way up to the commandant and he's listening to my voice. Yep. There's people right there. Good job guys. Wow, man. Yeah. Yeah, That was a lot of fun too. God, Um, you, you did a lot. You had a, you had a lot of stuff going on. Busy, busy, busy. But again, there's guys out there that just how they got through it is amazing. Yeah. To me. But I, I've had a blessed career, um, lots of fun things, and uh, a few of the gnarly things. Just one, that's how it is in the Coast Guard. Yeah. You take it one day at a time. Sometimes you're lucky, sometimes you're not. Uh, it, that, is, that is a very true statement right there. <laughs> you know? Yeah, we always uh, hope for the best, and, and when you deal with the worst, it's take a deep breath. And every one of us come back for tomorrow. It's crazy. The, so. the job needs to be done. Job needs to be done. Somebody's got to do it. Might as well be <laughs> exactly. us. Exactly. <laughs> so others may live. Yeah, buddy. Come on. <laughs> I said uh, it for you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so I, I did uh, a total of five years in Los Angeles. And then I moved to Jacksonville, Florida, where they got Hitron, the Helicopter Interdiction Tactical Squadron. Yeah. Uh, and that's shooting sniper rifles out of helicopters at drug runners and uh, narco terrorists, as we call them. Um, and I, I did that. Went on four different deployments uh, with Puglia. Yeah. Um, launching off the back of... I, I wasn't a gunner. I, I might put that out there. I was just the, uh, the mechanic supporting the aircraft while it was on the boat. Uh, but watching those guys shooting a, a, a 50 cal sniper rifle out of a helicopter, a moving helicopter to a moving boat in the ocean 
with nothing else around that that's some balls too that's awesome shout out to the aerial gunners man yeah come on (laughs) good for you guys Um, holy god got to see some amazing locations too like jamaica honduras guatemala panama el salvador costa rica uh guantanamo bay i i went all over central america just maintaining an aircraft something as simple as that and i got to see these amazing places and do these amazing things with these amazing people it was awesome that's great man (laughs) oh you you slide on man you've been to Uh, just as many countries as i have (laughs) actually you might have me beat right now (laughs) oh it's not a competition it whatever (laughs) (laughs) i'm just kidding Corey. that's you're all right man yeah thanks yeah uh did that uh worked there for five years um then i got orders to uh port angeles washington and beautiful location loved it there absolutely beautiful and i remember one hoist uh ryan carr was my rescue no was it carr Oh, crap. I'm going to be in trouble if I forget who my swimmer was. Uh, anyway. I won't tell him if were... you won't. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> uh, the seas were massive, like 50-foot swell smashing into the, cl- the cliffside and 100-foot froth, 150-foot froth as we're flying by. Wow. Uh, yeah. And it was high seas hoisting training. And I, we're coming down, getting ready to deploy swimmer and i'm like i i don't know man this is gnarly are you sure you want to get in this water it's like you got this put him down in the water uh just to uh by the hook yeah he unclipped and as soon as he unclipped i got this this i've done this so many times and it was normal hoisting out in the middle of high seas but those pre-hoist jitters yeah it, it kind of got to me that one time but as soon as i got into the mix it was like oh i got this <laughs> you know oh, what man. i mean but yeah totally and you, you know as a hoist operator this is one of the things that you and i can relate to because I, I know exactly what you're talking about and that's when you're putting somebody down into we're going to call it the shit you know whether it's training or a real mission you're putting a guy down and you want not just to a get, guy, your friend. Yeah. Yes. And you, you're, you want to, you need to get them back. You know, you have to get them back and you don't want to hurt them. Uh, and it's that timing, you know, the pilot, you know, you're in a good communication with your pilots that CRM, I can't emphasize it enough. It's just that talk, talk, talk. And, you know, trusting your guy in the water, your guy on deck and the guy on deck, trusting the guy in the air. It's, like our job in the air as hoist operators is there's not enough credit that's given to hoist operators. I will tell you that right now. And that's being one and been on the end of the hook. So like, good for you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Uh, and that, that was the last unit I was in the coast guard in, uh, did some pretty cool stuff there too. Um, relatively benign, stories nothing spectacular about those um oh there was uh we got the call 
a scuba diver went into the water wearing t-shirt or like a jacket and denim jeans. What the heck? All right, so, so the Northwest <laughs> is uh, really cold water. Yeah, um, really, really cold water. Off the top of my head, it's it's it doesn't get above probably 53 degrees Fahrenheit, which is uh, cold uh, for Celsius <laughs> people. And I'm, I'm going to do the math real quick, which is... Um, well, the air temperature about, was probably 10 degrees Celsius. So. Yeah, and that's about the water temperature too. Between yeah. 8 and 10 degrees Celsius, you know, 50 degree water temperature. We're all wearing dry suits uh, across the board, the whole air crew and the anybody's going in the water. So, yeah, cold. Yeah. So this dude going in in jeans and uh, a T-shirt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we, we, <laughs> land, or we actually land the aircraft and – me and the, the rescue swimmer, we hop out and we talk to EMS and the police there. Like, what is going on? Uh, we got this information. Can you fill us in on what you know? And like, that's basically what we know too. And so we were just kind of waiting for this guy to show up or another diver to come out pulling a body so that we can take him over to EMS. Um, and sure enough, next thing we know, this elderly man wearing it, a jacket and denim jeans over his wetsuit comes walking out of the water and he's actually upset with us. Like, what are you doing here? I'm fine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Dude, you went into the water wearing a jacket and denim jeans. So, but <laughs> stupid, stupid stuff. Oh man. Well, yeah. he had a wetsuit on too. He's fine. Yeah, he's fine. <laughs> Oh my gosh. What a great career. My goodness. Yeah. Man. And now and where, where are you working now? I, I work for Bristow helicopters, Bristow group, um, formerly known as era. I was, I was originally hired with era and then era bought Bristow. Um, I'm not doing SAR anymore. Uh, while I was in, I was able to get my FAA airframe and power plant tickets. And the way that works if you don't mind me talking about it real uh, quick. Not at all. Please do. Uh, so, and this is to help all you guys out there, hoist operators, uh, mechanics, uh, for sp Coast Guard specific, AETs, AMTs, and anybody else that is working on aircraft. Boom. He here you go. Here's your inside ticket and inside knowledge right here. <laughs> uh, so all, all the maintenance that you do in the Coast Guard is tracked. And you can pull up your maintenance history record and you can take that history record to the FAA and get what they call your tickets to test. Um, they go over your engines, your airframe, your power plant. If you, do, if you got those three, you're good. Yeah. You, you can probably get your tickets with the FAA uh, safety inspector. Uh, I, I got those tickets when I I was at Hitron and I, I was planning on staying in the Coast Guard my entire career, but I got higher tenured out. And when I was in the process of being higher tenured, I grabbed my tickets and drove down to Riverside, California, went to Avtech, took my tests, uh, passed my tests, went to the DME. Uh, those tests are hard, by the way, because you got three categories. Okay. Uh, you got general, airframe, and power plant. And once you pass your written tests, you got to do your oral tests. And that's with your DME. You, and then during your oral 
you have a bank of questions in, in, in different categories and you have seven questions. If you get four questions right, you pass. If you get four questions wrong, you fail. Then you got to wait another month to talk to your DME again. So I was stressed out. I, I had to pass this. <clears throat> and uh, I passed my oral. And then it came the practical portion of it. And uh, during my practical, he, he grabbed uh, an aircraft propeller and just ting, hits it on the vice. He's like, can you repair that? Yeah. Um, what's the manual say? Good, good answer. Man manual says you can repair it. Now blend it. I blended it and I saw a couple more nicks and I blended those. He's like, wow, you even blended the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's you what know? we do. We go above and beyond. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I, I got my airframe and power plant certification and broadcasted that out on Facebook. And uh, immediately one of my Hitron buddies is like, hey, you looking for a job? Yeah, that'd be great. He's like, put your resume in with ERA. I'll see what I can do. Threw my resume at ERA and got the job, right? And awesome. I got the job before I even left the Coast Guard. Oh, that's fantastic. It was amazing. Just going straight from the Coast Guard to the ERA. Uh, I got to work with some really great guys in, with uh, Priority One, uh, Chris Fowler. Yep. Worked with him at Hitron. Good dude. Love that guy. Yep. Good good dude. Um, man, uh, ever since ERA bought Bristow with the merger, we're no longer <clears throat> dealing with Priority One or P1. Yeah. But there's there's some things in the works from what I hear. I. But Bristol has a pretty robust search and rescue program in the Gulf. They I definitely have. That. Yeah, I know you guys are flying down there. Bristol is um, for search and rescue quite a bit. I mean, I see stuff that gets posted quite a bit. So, I mean, good job for them. And they're yeah. flying out of New Iberia or uh, or is it? New, New Iberia, uh, Galliano. Yeah, that's um, right. We, they don't fly out of uh, here in Homa anymore. Right. So uh, that um, was with ERA. That was the ERASAR base in Homa. Um, yeah, and, and Port Fouchon. Yeah. Galliano is a much bigger base. with a, And you guys are flying with the S92 and the 139 as SAR yep. platforms, right? Yeah, the nice. Augusta 139. Yeah. Uh, that's actually the uh, airframe that I'm uh, certificated on here. Yeah. I love the 139. <laughs> I really do. I, that's what I fly here now. I, I have... Probably, I, I think almost the majority of my hours at this time in my career are on the 139. You know, I've got, nice. you know, I've got a lot of hours on other aircrafts, but I, I think I think the 139 is not taking the top, which would be over my 60 and 65 career too. Like, oh, <laughs> it's a lot. So, but it, it's a solid platform and definitely uh, not fun to work on. <laughs> <laughs> It's like that sports car where everything's like jam-packed and you go, like, I, I can't exactly. get the wrench around this spot. Just get the whole yeah. engine out, okay? Just <laughs> they, they are a beautiful aircraft and they fly very wonderfully. Yeah. Um, but they, you know, every aircraft, every car, every boat has their issues. Yep. Um, this aircraft has its issues. <laughs> they all do. They all do. Yeah. But, you know, you take care of them. And that's what's great yeah. about having the maintenance guys like yourself that, that are, that, you know, to back up to the story where you just said, you know, you're fading in stuff on the, on the blade. Uh, 
you know, and you're fixing other things. You go above and beyond. The maintenance guys that I've always dealt with, like yourself, go above and beyond to make sure that the aircrafts are flying at 100%. So when we get in, I I don't question it. I don't worry. I know that you guys have well, done everything you've done to make sure that's flyable aircraft. So awesome. That's kind of the unique thing with the Coast Guard is we're fixers and flyers. Right, right. And so not only are our friends getting into this aircraft, we are getting into this aircraft and we want to make sure that this aircraft is good to fly. Yeah. So yeah. above and beyond. And yeah. the, the 65 is not a young aircraft either. No, uh, no, it's been around it, for a it's long been time. Around. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's definitely has, it has its issues as well, but it is a sexy, sexy aircraft. <laughs> <laughs> you can hear it's whining. <laughs> Uh, yeah the whistling s can or yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the flying leaf blower yeah. <laughs> you know what it, it, it's a good aircraft it's not it's not, the only uh like when they first had it, the a model and the b model um they had the underpower engines now that when the charlie model they boosted up the engine they yep. boosted up the when gearbox I'll, made it a much better uh, aircraft for the the platform so yeah with the turbo mecha engines yep and they've actually uh started releasing the uh, echo models oh wow even better yeah. yeah it's it's been a little while since i've been in so you would you would know better than i would <laughs> yeah uh, when i was at hitron i was working on the deltas uh just a beefier avionics package nice. um uh still the same airframe still the same engines gearboxes uh we went from an 11 blade to a 10 blade uh years and years and years ago the uh, fenestron you're talking the tail tail rotor yeah the tail rotor um yeah it's a it's a solid airframe but it's small definitely yeah, it's small it, it is a, it's a little i mean it's relative right so you yeah. have based on different aircrafts like let, let's use let's throw in the the 225 and the s92 they are huge just ginormous aircraft platforms you can you can stand up and walk down you know i'm i stand six foot four whatever that is. And it's, it's almost three meters. I'm like, it's You're just over shy. Three meters. No, I'm just shy of three meters. Just <laughs> shy, just shy. But uh, <laughs> depends on the shoes. <laughs> anyway. Uh, but I can, I can walk up the S92 and the 225. You get into the 139, the H60 or something like a, a decent side helicopter. At least you you have room to move around. You start getting into the, um, the 65, your uh, Bell 429, you know, those, those aircraft start to get yeah. a little, you know, the 145. Uh, the, Augusta 109. Yeah, they, yeah. The cabins now get shrunk and they, it's a little more work to work around, you know, and, you know, the, the smallest aircraft I've flown on and hoisted on is the A-Star. And that's kind of funny. I had uh, my friend Dan Cassetti. He was a hoist operator. I was on ground. He was training. And when we bring in like a litter, he would step out of the other side of the aircraft onto the uh, right side skid so they could bring it in from the left side and the rescue men. And he would just hang out outside the aircraft until we landed to get everything out. <laughs> oh, so that sounds but, like so much fun. Oh, it's, it's a blast. But to, to back up to the original, like you're right. The, the 65 is exactly what the Coast Guard needs or, you know, for that platform and that size helicopter. It, could they use a little bit more room? Ah, I like the 60. I like the room. I like the power. So, 
Yeah. But hey, every operation is different. I mean, you know, there are guys doing stuff in A stars. There are guys stuff that are doing in two two fives and S ninety two. So it's you use what you got to use where you have to use it. It's all there is to it. Yeah. So yeah, it's awesome. But nice. Well, I, I, you, you've given me such a, an amazing, you know, story and, and career line. You've done incredible jobs. Uh, I'm going to turn the floor over to you. You did say you wanted to talk about one more thing before before we sign off. So, and it's it's pretty important, and I, I agree with you. So, go ahead, man. Uh, I mainly wanted to talk directly to the uh, the Airedales, uh, Coast Guard, Navy, Army. Uh, doesn't matter what service you're in if you're working on aviation careers and you want to continue in that career without a doubt take your maintenance history to the faa get those tickets get your amp it will hook you up for the rest of your life to be an air dial uh so many doors had opened to me after i got my amp and i have confidence putting my resume into a, a company and saying, I've had X amount of years experience on these airframes. I'm pretty confident I can go to your aircraft. A rotor head is a rotor head. An engine is an engine. I can work on that for you. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So get your AMP if you want to continue within your aviation career or get a pilot's license. You could do that too. <laughs> Why not do both? Yeah. <laughs> then you're fixing and flying. Hey, yeah. that sounds familiar. Fixes and flyers. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's awesome. Uh, Great advice, man. Great advice. Anything else? Gosh. No, this has been great. Thanks for having me on, dude. Dude, it is an absolute pleasure. I am so happy that we had an opportunity to do this. And, you know, you, you bring such great advice and great experience to the table. And, and I'm so happy that you and I can get it out there to everybody else, new people that are coming into this and, Oh, it's, it's amazing. I, I love it. I love this. Thank you for the stories too, man. It's fantastic. So anytime. All right. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are out of here. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the real rescue podcast. Please take a minute and like my daughters like to tell me like, and subscribe. Oh yeah. I'm pulling chocks and taking off. But before I go, if anyone out there has a rescue story that they would be willing to share, I would be humbled and honored to have you as a guest. Or if you have any questions about any of the rescues or anything else that we talk about here on this podcast, send me an email, therealrescue at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q at gmail.com. You can also check us out on our Facebook and Instagram page at The Real Rescue. That's at T-H-E-R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q. I also want to give a special thank you to all of you standing on the watch today. Always remember that when that SAR alarm goes off, those in distress are praying for a miracle. They are going to get you. Until next time, fly safe and swim hard. <laughs>